0: viewpoint 8 to 10 p.m. flipping conventional wisdom on its head song on, on SAFM in an attempt to force corporate South Africa to take action and join the fight against the alarming rate of gender-based violence in the country a large number of civil society organizations are organizing a hashtag Senten shutdown this is for Friday the 13th of September This Friday, they are of the view that the protest action is only seen in townships and in the CBD, yet the richest square mile in Africa remains untouched as if they do not have a responsibility to the country's social ills. They further argue that the money spent on CSI is only 0.3% of the annual turnover of these massive corporations, and they say, like government, Business South Africa has not the will to spend time and money to ensure an end to gender-based violence. And if you talk about organizations that have signed on to this petition for Friday the 13th of August, the list is endless. I'll mention some. Action Aid South Africa, African Diaspora Women's Forum, Black Women Caucus, Centre for Human Rights, UP, Institute for Economic Justice, Lifeline South Africa, Teddy Bay Clinic, the One in Nine Campaign, Social Justice Foundation, Zazi, Section 27. It goes on. Let's talk about this movement that is sure to change and shake things up necessarily so in Santon. linda good evening good evening
1: good evening how are you i'm
0: well thanks i'm well thank you under the circumstances of course let's talk about what is planned for this friday and the organizations and why this was necessary more particularly at this time
1: um let me start with what's happening um on the 13th of september this coming friday at three AM we are basically wanting to have a silent protest. We are going to have a silent protest um in Santon at the James. Three AM Three AM and we've got a lot of questions. People saying why three AM? It's so early. The reality is that um business doesn't just start ticking at eight o'clock in Santon. Hmm. Um you know, obviously people can't start coming into the to the, to, to the Santon City Center from 3-4 a.m. Um, we're talking about the people who are doing the cleaning, the street sleeping, and you know, the people that actually get there before everybody else gets there. So the idea is that for that day, can business actually just take a step back and listen? Um, why is this important at this time? Gosh, mm. mm. I think this time isn't just this time. I think it is a combination of a lot of different actions that have been happening quite um, you know happening across the country not just this year but even last year when you know women took to the streets once again in, in August of last year but also because it's been a build-up of the effects of gender-based violence just in the country over the last couple of years Um you have heard the president himself say last week I think it was Thursday or Friday that this has actually reached epic proportions it's a crisis in the country And yet, with this crisis, you know, I was reflecting on on, on his statements and I thought to myself, this must be the only situation where the president, the leader of a country, says something is a crisis and then the day ticks over like, you know, he was just talking about something absolutely random. Um, It's important at this time because the lives of people continue to be affected deeply because as women, as uh, gender non-conforming people, as queer people walking the streets, we're afraid, you know, and the normalization of violence in our communities, not only um, gender-based violence, but even violence, um, men-to-men violence, has increased to epic proportions. Um, and so, you know, we're looking to say there needs to be a solution that can't just be ticked away by saying, okay, another another time going to the union buildings, another time going to the police stations, and to all the different places of power um, in the country, we want to take it to a place that continues to take over. Um, you know, when when the lives of people are not. And and I mean, another thing is that it's not like business isn't affected. The people that are working in those businesses, running, employed by, um, are people who are come, who come from the very communities, the very country. They too are South Africans. Um, so you know, th- there seems to be a fallacy that exists that there's a line um, that can be divided. Uh, by those who are affected and those who are not. I think the difference is it's those who can afford to hide away from those uh, repercussions or to pay away those repercussions versus those who do not necessarily have a choice. So Let's talk
0: about the fact that in reality this is what will happen, especially after this conversation and once this hashtag sh- sent and shut down picks up momentum. You can be very sure that these organizations will simply be sending emails out to their staff Because of what's going to be happening on Friday, we advise staff Mm -hmm. to stay away, but nonetheless, they are to make sure that their managers are aware of their stay away and they Mm -hmm. must be at all times available online to pursue their work. And those organizations that really insist, they will just relocate office for that day. So in other words, capital, so to speak, will plan around Mm -hmm. this because... For the most part, because we have this kind of problem, they'll just be like, it's a one-day thing, let's work around it, normalcy will resume on Monday. How then do you respond in an environment, first of all, that is not even receptive to this movement?
1: You know, I mean, in reality, that's probably the majority where we respond in that way. Um We've reached out to some corporates, some will and some won't. The idea is that I don't think that one day can fix everything. I mean, if there's one thing civil society knows and that what we know well is that this just becomes a catalyst for a longer conversation. Up until now, we have not really engaged business. We have, you know, kind of let business go on because of the fear of what happens if business stops. You know, But I think what this has done importantly, and more than any other time in history, is that it's galvanized our struggles, even across issues. So you'll see even from our statement, we're not just talking about um, gender-based violence, we're also talking about the violence happening to people who are not South African nationals um, and the xenophobic attacks that are happening. And we are actually beginning to call into question the things that help the government take over, right? Um, you're absolutely right. I don't think we believe one day we'll solve that. Otherwise we would have solved it last year. Gender-based violence would have been over when the President took the memorandum and the Gender Summit happened last year. We understand that it's a long-term process. But we're saying we're here. And we're saying we're starting to ask the question. We're saying that we're no longer afraid of um, whether or not money will respond. Um, it's a long-term it's a long-term strategy. Um, and we're hoping that tomorrow will be a beginning to kick off, even just awareness, because oftentimes these issues are set aside for civil society for government to sort out. And we're saying it's not just civil society's issue. A lot of the, the inequality that we face in the country is as a result of our unequal society, the result of um, the 10% that control the 90. Um, and, and a lot of the issues that we see today, we can trace to the to the issues of um, socioeconomic injustice and it's time for us to start to ask that question so yes business will relocate um, you know they probably will be able to take over but I believe that this is the start of a different kind of conversation in our movement and I think that is a good thing
0: let's talk about something very important that you touched on let's talk not about equality in the workplace let's talk about equity in the workplace because you will find there's a pattern between the absence of women in the organization or yeah. the suppression of women interests and voices yeah. in such organizations, where then, if you look at the statistics as they pertain to gender-based violence, they will tend to be on the increase because, as it were, it becomes a boys' club, a male-dominated space, yeah. such that yeah. when you have the interests of women, the concerns of women being raised, because they don't have equity in this enterprise, yeah. then these statistics yeah. come through. Let's talk about addressing that.
1: Look, I mean, yeah, you know, I know, a lot of I know. To- that sorry, I missed that?
0: No no no, I just heard you sign, I'm like, I know.
1: <laughs> um, I'm 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 sighing not because I I I'm defeated I'm sighing because you're absolutely hitting the nail on the head. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of work that we do around particularly I mean, look, if we look at it and we think of the economy as a system that relies on and requires um firstly a lot of Unpaid care work to happen in order for it to run. If we look at how the role of women continues to be kind of circulated around care work, if we look at that kind of um, uh, that kind of the way in which society is structured, means that women find themselves with more and more barriers for us to be able to actually partake, be able to influence, be able to you know go into the marketplace in a different kind of way. Um, if we look at all of those things, then of course we go into the organisations themselves, and look at the gender pay gap. I mean, one of the memorandum—I'm sorry—the memorandum that we drafted up, actually, that we're presenting, begins to state all of those things. The ways in which corporate is definitely um, not just a part of the a part of the issue, but also gaining right. Um, the way in which uh, when we talk about gender pay gap, we talk about the extremely high levels of sexual harassment. That continue to play out. The way in which the structures, the patriarchal structures, and the systems are set up in such a way mm. um, that you're rightfully, see women are locked out of decision making, um, the glass ceiling continues to be what it is. If women actually speak out around sexual rights, I mean, there was a lot of cases last year um, um, where women actually spoke out and the women were kicked out of those organizations, or calling for a change. Um, in in, in, in in all of those ways, because those are the ways that continue to keep women outside um, of, of, of corporate, of business, and how business is done and how business is made. I sigh because this is not a new conversation. Women have been It's
0: not a new conversation. Sorry, Linda. Let me cut on. you right there. It is 21 hours. We're going to have to take a, a break because we have to go to the news. After of that, course. we're going to continue this conversation. For those who have just joined us, sentence shutdown taking place Friday the 13th in Johannesburg. It's now 21 hours, though. Time for news. New hour, same conversation. Good evening, South African songers on my bed. I say same conversation because we're talking about gender based violence, specifically as it pertains to the richest square mile on the African continent. Santin shutdown taking place on Friday the 13th. We are in conversation with Miss Linda Luangumalo of the Women's Rights Program. She's the manager there at Africa Aid. At Action Aid Africa. And this is obviously dovetailing on the fact that in the first hour, we also had a conversation with child safety in South African activists in Dr. Shahida Omar, who is the clinical director at Teddy Bear Clinic, together with Miss Lucy Jamison, who's a senior researcher at UCT's Children's Institute, talking about the social ills that, as you have heard in the news, the University of the Vidvatis Round was praying for, specifically xenophobic attacks and violence, poverty, gender based violence, among other social ills. And now, Miss Ngumalo is talking to us about the Santa and shutdown that's taking place here in this part of the world on Friday the 13th of September. Talking about the memorandum, who and how, rather, who is the memorandum being drafted for? In other words, who's going to receive it and what is expected of the receiver of this memorandum if there is a designated person or personnel? What is the expected outcome of their receiving the memorandum and action following that?
1: Um, thanks so much for that question, uh, uh The memorandum is drafted to be received by the president of the JSE, um within that we have a couple of demands um you know for for business one of which um, you know speaks to gender parity speaks to representativity and also speaks directly to the contribution that um you know the CSI contribution that's made by by the private sector um you probably know i think you said earlier in the introduction that um towards social justice issues, I think the contribution is at zero point three, it's less than one percent. Um, and yet we feel strongly that a lot of the the, the the social ills in the context that we're facing now as a result of um, the lack of social justice within, within you know within the country. And we're saying, you know, um, for those that that support social justice issues, put put your money where your mouth is. Um, support the causes, the organizations, the work that's being done, um, because all the work that, that continues to be done by civil society and by NGOs is funded from the north, um, and if not, organizations and communities funded out of their own pockets. Um, so so those are just some of the demands. It's, 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 it's quite a long um, statement, but of course we'll share that with, with the media once we've, we've submitted
0: it. Let's talk final question Let's talk about the fact that during the apartheid era there was this slogan bandied about by the anti-apartheid struggle in the movement And there's only one movement no normal sport in an abnormal society I think that statement has changed over the course of time because there have been new abnormalities If you like and specifically gender-based violence in South Africa is the kind that has the record in the world Which is quite Quite unfortunate, but it is nonetheless the record that we have with the highest rate of femicide in the world. So it is obviously clear that there can be no normal business in an abnormal business society. The sustained pressure that would have caused the international community at sport anyway to shun South Africa. Why do we not have the sense that in the public space, government specifically or within the political space, there is a movement to change this? Why is there so much comfort with these statistics?
1: Sorry, I keep sighing because, you know, we ask ourselves the same questions. I don't believe it's that government doesn't have the research. In fact, our government has invested quite heavily in different types of research done by different organizations that we work with, some that I've been a part of throughout the years, um, partnering with um, a lot of UN agencies. um, And there are a lot of good research within government itself. So I don't think it's a lack of understanding, um, and not even a lack of ability to understand. I think it also just starts even as basically as the way in which we've internalized that it's okay for women's lives not to really matter. It's okay for us um, to 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 uh, allow rape culture to continue. It's okay because the li- life still ticks on. Um, I think there's a great apathy um, and. You know, and I say this because if you look at the priority within a budget of what's been prioritized for this issue for women, uh, Treasury told us a couple of weeks ago as the women within the treaty sector, that there is no money, even for the national strategic plan to be implemented. So you've got to ask yourself that if there is if there is that lack of um, um, intention, then why is government comfortable? Um I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is that makes it comfortable, except to say that, we only understand it to be comfortable because when things don't change, um, when government continues to say that this is important, but when we look at the intentions around that and we don't see that, we need to then come to that conclusion. When our justice system continues to fear women and children um, and people who come to it hoping that they will find any sort of solace, when people have to go to the streets of Twitter in order to get some sort of repercussion, if people feel like a justice system isn't just and we're not investing in trying to make it that way and not for lack of having asked the people then you've got to ask yourself why is the government not comfortable and i say government broadly because there are sections within the government and people who are working but if you look at the entire system and what happens as a result and you look at the outcome you've got to ask yourself where is our priority where are our priorities um i think it's because we've been comfortable with more than 50% of our population bearing the brunt of a lot of this violence, silently, quietly, in the private space and sector, as we've been taught and brought up to do within our institutions, being told, Musadi don't leave, being told, Musaidi, Hali yeah. You know, all yeah. of these sorts of things. Um, we've internalized it, and it has been produced in, how we, in, in, in the ways in which our policies play out. We have some of the best um, laws In the world around this
0: issue. We do. We do. And enough is enough on this. Enough Enough is enough. And I'm going to say this just to say it as a panel. We have to end the conversation there, unfortunately, but we will be sure to follow your progress on Santon shutdown. Ms. Linda Longumalo, ActionAid Africa, Women's Rights Program Manager, talking to us about what's happening this Friday in Santon. Let's take a quick ad break before we continue this evening's show. Health on Monday follows after the break.